Hello and welcome back to the Shakespeare Birthday Party. I'm Danny Fitzpatrick. And I'm Grace Fitzpatrick. And today we're talking about Cymbeline, which is one of Shakespeare's latest plays, um, one that seems to cause the most critical confusion. Um, It's a strange play in many respects. So we have uh, Cymbeline, the title character, who is the King of Britain. This is ancient Britain during the reign of Augustus Caesar. Um, Cymbeline has a daughter, Imogen, who has secretly married Posthumus Leonatus, uh, which is yet another oddity of the play, just having someone named Posthumus. Um, strange enough in itself. Um, Le- Posthumus is, is banished for secretly marrying Imogen. Um, while he is in Rome, which, though the play is set in ancient times, seems more like a renaissance sort of Rome, uh, with characters having names like Giacomo, uh, things of this, things of this nature. Um, while he's there, he makes a bet that, um, basically Imogen is the most chaste woman in the world, and Giacomo takes him up on this and basically thinks that uh, he can seduce her. So he goes to England attempting to do this. Um, he sneaks into her room in the middle of the night and takes such tokens as will serve as evidence that he has seduced her. Posthumus believes him and sends a letter to his servant Pisanio uh, telling him to kill Imogen as a result. Uh, (laughs) Which is horrible and not funny at all. Meanwhile, uh, under the influence of the evil queen and her son Cloten, um, the king, Cymbeline, has refused to pay taxes to Caesar Caesar accordingly sends back his uh, general Caius Lucius um, to wage war against against the Britons. Um, The British are successful in the battle, largely with the aid of a former uh, attendant to uh, Cymbeline, who has, in secret for the last 20 years, taking care of Cymbeline's two stolen sons. Um, The three of them help turn the tide of battle. The Britons are victorious. And uh, basically everything manages to come right in the end. Um, One of Cymbeline's sons has killed Cloten, who, disguised as Posthumus, went to seek out Imogen uh, and rape her. Um, So the son Guiderius... Uh, kills Cloten. Um, Imogen, under the influence of a sleeping draft sent to her by the evil queen, uh, is thought dead, but then later is found to be alive, though disguised as a young boy. It's all very complicated. (laughs) Um, But basically everyone is forgiven in the end, even though the British have defeated the Romans. They forgive the Romans who are captured, send them back to Rome, and agree to uh, pay the taxes they'd initially refused to pay. 
post- neither Posthumus nor Imogen ends up dead, shockingly. You'd think they would, uh, they would both end up dead in a play like this. Um, we have them both at the end. The uh, old attendants, old attendant is forgiven. The family is reunited, less the evil queen and her son. And yeah, seems to uh, turn out surprisingly well for just about everybody. So yeah, Grace, I don't know if you have any initial impressions you'd like to uh, to share with us. Well, I think this play is really just best summed up in the quote from Napoleon Dynamite, where Pedro gets up to deliver his uh, campaign speech for student president, student body president. Um... And he just says, I do not have much to say. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There's a lot going on in this play. And I think part of what makes it so strange is that Shakespeare uses a lot of the elements of this play in other plays. Mm -hmm. But it's just not, I don't know, it just kind of falls flat compared to the other plays. For instance you have a very Othello-like situation Mm -hmm. um, with the reported adultery or alleged adultery that's false and the attempted murder of uh, the woman who's been accused of adultery. There's also kind of a Hero and Claudio situation here Mm -hmm. um, with alleged adultery, but it's just not as... To me, it's just not as, like, interesting for some reason cross-dressing isn't as funny or interesting yeah um i mean we've and we've got so many things that should be interesting too like yeah. the the stolen brothers mm-hmm. the now here's something that really caught my attention is I, I would be interested to know if uh cymbeline's wife if she's like the og wicked stepmother mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the literary tradition because yeah. i would think that uh shakespeare predates most of the um traditional like fairy tales that we have mm-hmm. now but uh i don't know if there were any legends that came before yeah that's a good question of the wicked stepmother um and yeah. her offspring cloten the yeah <laughs> most unlikable <laughs> character of the entire play no he's not very likable uh yeah so i don't know what you're thinking yeah, um, I'm gonna go back for a second to, oh, what was it? Oh, yeah, to the, like, the Othello comparison, which I think part of why it didn't, part of why it didn't work as well for me in this instance is that the deception in Othello is building up for much longer mm-hmm. in the play I think mm-hmm. um, and the and the relation between Iago and Othello is such as to make that more believable mm-hmm. um, yeah it just doesn't I don't know it doesn't seem it doesn't seem like posthumous I don't know. I I just don't I don't feel the same sense of like power or 
potential wrath being possible from him as it is from Othello. Mm-hmm. And I don't see, like, the... Because, I mean, what's... Yeah, I mean, what's really critical is the seduction of Othello and Posthumus, which, like, Iago is, like, masterful in orchestrating that mm-hmm. seduction of Othello. Um, whereas it just, I don't know, it seems much more flat-footed um, on Giacomo's part. Also, at least, like, Othello kills Desdemona himself. Mm-hmm. It's not, he's not yeah. like, okay, let me find somebody else to do it for me. Yeah. Like, he just does it. So there's that dramatic... Yeah. That's true flair and thrill there I guess yeah, that's true. Um, a lot more I don't know it's just a lot more horrific <laughs> than let me just tell my servant to go take her somewhere and kill like that's just not yeah. <laughs> it's not doing it for me drama wise there's a lot of like over explaining I yeah. feel like that happens in the play like for the whole sure. ending of that last scene where it's just like everybody's basically just talking like mm-hmm. until everything is revealed yeah um, I don't know. There's, it doesn't seem as active, as dramatic yeah. as it could be. Yeah, for sure. Um, it was interesting also with the with the two sons who have been hidden away mm-hmm. for a while. So, like, they seem like the... Basically the most decent characters in this play. And Imogen, right? Yeah, and Imogen, I guess. Um... But yeah, it seems like part of the reason why is that they've like basically been out of society. They're like the male Mirandas. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah, for sure. Um, which is kind of like, I don't know, it's almost like they are, yeah, they have this like sort of monastic existence. Um, or like this, it's almost like they're in Plato's cave, but, like, the cave, in this case, is better than the real world. But they're striving, like, they desire to get out of it. Like, uh, Valerius is, like, he reveals when he's telling them the stories of Mm. battle. Like, they're, like, physically, like, straining. They're so excited just hearing the story of battle because they want to be part of one. And that's when... You know they're so they're so excited to kill Cloten <laughs> and like yeah. I mean I do think they wait till Cloten has antagonized them enough. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's like in cold blood or anything, yeah. but um, they're like ready for warfare and they get very excited at the chance to uh, join the battle against the Romans. Yeah, for sure. Also, um, do you want to talk about the Romans? Sure. I found it very strange how there was this whole hoopla with gotta pay us tribute Cymbeline's like no there's a whole battle, a ton of people die and then Cymbeline at the end I feel like he could have just been like alright Lucius I'll let you and your men go and like it would have been like a game respects game sort of situation but he's like oh don't worry we'll pay the tribute too it's like what? Like, (laughs) all of that was for nothing (laughs) yeah so I don't know if that is like I don't know if that, at this point, is... I don't know, yeah, it's very strange to... Try to figure out what he might be thinking. Other than just, like, 
some overwhelming sense of goodwill? Like, is this some sort of, like, tithe to the universe for, like, restoring his children? Um, Or is it, like, is he thinking that overall they've had relatively good relations with the Romans and it's probably better to keep that? Is he thinking, like, uh, well, I may have won this battle, but if Caesar gets really mad, then mm-hmm. who knows what will happen next. So maybe it's best just to quit while we're ahead. Um, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, it doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. I also wonder if I'm thinking too much about it, like too hard about it. Because mm-hmm. this, I don't know, these Romans, they don't feel the same as yeah. like Julius Caesar. Like actual yeah. historical Romans. Like it kind of feels like... Um, we haven't read this one together yet, but in A Winter's Tale, like it's mm-hmm. set in Bohemia, which mm-hmm. <laughs> Shakespeare is like, the kingdom by the sea, and like it's clearly like it's basically a fairy tale. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you kind of get the sense in this right. story that it's the same. It's almost like a. Yeah. It's almost like a postmodern, like Princess Bride kind of feel, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. fairy tale, yeah. ancient legend sort of thing. That's um, a good point. Yeah, it does definitely have that feel to it. Yeah. It's um, not as exciting, but <laughs> yeah. somehow, like, just, like, there is, objectively, like, action takes place, but yeah. it's just not as thrilling. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I don't know, maybe I just haven't seen a good production of it before. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, this one, this one's not my favorite, to be completely honest. Yeah, I would say it's not my favorite either, but. What do you make of Cymbeline himself? I don't know. I mean, he seems a little bit like, uh, like the king at Rohan in, uh, Hmm. Lord of the Rings, Mm -hmm. where he's, like, kind of under the spell, and then sort of comes out of it, but I don't know. But he's not terribly likable. Like, he's just... Yeah. He's just kind of there and kind of grumpy, in my opinion. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that seems accurate. I don't know. I have so many questions, but sadly Shakespeare is not here to answer them. Indeed. If only. Yeah. Perhaps well, we'll meet him someday. What is it? Father McGuire always said uh, when he goes to heaven, he wants to take Jane Austen out for a nice dinner. That's right. And ask her about all of her novels. <laughs> yes. I don't think in an accusatory manner. I think because he yeah, just yeah. admires her so much. Yeah. I'd like to do that with William Shakespeare. That'd be good. You'd be welcome to come, too. Thank you. (laughs) Sounds good. Very good. Well, I think uh, it being late, that's probably sufficient. Probably so. For this one. Next time, it's Richard II. And as Father McGuire also would say, St. Jane Austen, pray for us. Amen. (laughs) 